0: Hello friends, welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us as we're continuing uh, through this series where we're talking about God Talks Family. So far, we've talked about how God talks about how to have a good family in a broken world, and we've talked about God talks about marriage, and we've talked about God talks a good woman. Well, today we're going to take a break from, from God Talks Good Things to talk about how God talks about Something bad. today we're going to have a teaching about God talks bad dads, and it's still going to be a great day uh, because what we're going to talk about is going to encourage us to want to be good dads, uh, which will lead into next week where we're going to talk about God talks faithful dads. So you don't want to miss these last two messages in this series, God Talks Family. Well, I want to say thanks for being here. I want to encourage you to open up your mind and open up your heart to what God might be teaching you today as we come to his word. And I want to encourage you, uh, just approach this message today as a message to where maybe God is speaking to your heart. Uh, God is speaking to your mind about what he wants you and who he wants you to be as we talk about bad dads and by the way whether you're a mom or a dad or a young person this message will apply to you if you're a young lady looking to uh looking to date somebody, maybe some of these bad dad qualities might be things that you'll say, well, I'm going to make sure I weed out people that seem to be like that. And and if you're a young man, this is who you want to avoid becoming. And if you're a dad right now, uh, you might find some of the things that we talked about and go, man, I need to change some of what's going on in my life. I need to improve in some areas. And if you're a, if you're a woman, I just want you to know this, that the qualities we're going to talk about aren't just for men. I mean these are things that could uh, make a, a a bad servant of God, a, a bad Christian, a, a bad a bad person in general. I mean these will be qualities that we want to learn from someone else's mistakes in so that we can improve. So I just want to tell you that there is something here, no matter who you find yourself to be, there's something here for you. Uh, And I want to invite you, please be sure to do all the things as we begin this morning that that, that if you haven't done them, uh, that will help this online content grow and reach more people Uh, make sure that you're hitting like and subscribe make sure that you're hitting sub notification bells to uh, be alerted of new messages that come out if you're on uh, on our youtube make sure that you uh, subscribe to our youtube channel and by the way if you've been on uh, podcasts and you've been listening on itunes and and all that stuff make sure that you leave uh, um, make sure you leave a review make sure you, you 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 subscribe to the to the podcast and also want to encourage you maybe you can go check out the online content where you could watch the video either on our uh, youtube or or one of the other places like facebook uh, just want to encourage you do all those things that help us uh, share our online content also want to encourage you if you know a, a Of someone a friend someone you love someone that cares about you someone that you care about and you would like to bless them with this message be sure to send it as a as a private message send a link be sure to share it be sure to use this in a way that will help other people that that uh, that, that way you can help us help the people in your life and bless them with these messages All right, with all that out of the way, let's pray together. Let's invite God to teach us about bad dads today. And let's invite him to teach us so that we can maybe think about what it takes to be a good dad on the other side of, of, of that. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come before you. And God, we ask that you bless this time that we spend getting into your word. God, I do pray that you will help us to know you more because of it, help us to become better fathers, help us to become better dads, Uh, help us to become better and more faithful servants and followers of Jesus. And God, I just pray that you'll be at work in the lives of everyone joining us here, that, God, you will encourage, that you will teach, and that you will draw us close to your heart because you, God, are our Father, and you are our Heavenly Father and our Good Father, and you draw us near to you. I pray, God, that you would just be at work in us as we come before you in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We all said together, amen. Well, let's dive into this message this morning. We're going to be talking about bad dads, like I said, and and I want to begin with a, a little story. You may have heard the story about the two flies that were flying around, and they come across a picnic, and these two flies were hungry, so they kind of get, look around the picnic, and they find for themselves a piece of bologna, and they, they go down, and they eat up that bologna, and they eat their fill, and they're kind of thirsty, so they fly over to a well and and they they have eaten and they've gotten a little bit of water and they're hanging out on the handle of the well and one of them decides after a while that uh, he's had enough of just hanging out and he's gonna fly away and so he flies up and he flies a couple of feet and then he falls down drops down dead oh man well the other fly kind of surprised by that said i'm out of here and he he goes and he flies up and he goes a few feet and he falls down dead too. And the moral of the story is when you're full of baloney, don't fly off the handle. Oh man. Uh, As a dad, I have taken it on myself as an important role that I need to tell bad dad jokes to my kids. Uh, I don't know if any of you dads out there like bad dad jokes. I just, I I don't usually memorize them. I find them. I look for them and I share them. Or if I hear one, I'll share it. And my kids are always groaning, dad, you know, come on. Uh, But I, I, I like bad dad jokes. Well, this morning the topic that we're getting into it's not a joke it's about bad dads Uh, and and we're going to look and we're going to see this man this priest this person that was supposed to be a a spiritual leader and a political leader of the people of Israel of God's people and he's going to be full of baloney he and his sons are going to fly off the handle and God is going to bring his his judgment on them they're going to be they're going to be more than a bad dad joke they they're going to be bad dads who are going to stand before before Jesus and there's no joke about what's coming for them what we want to talk about bad dads. And we're going to look at the story that we come across in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And there we're going to meet this this priest named Eli. He's getting older and he's been serving As the priest of Israel, as the priest in the tabernacle, which was the temporary temple, it was a tent-like temple that, that would travel with the people of Israel. It would be set up in a certain place as they were waiting for that permanent temple they were going to build. And Eli was the servant of God in that temple. He was supposed to be the one who was leading and guiding God's people to the heart of God, to worship of God to serve God and he was also at the same time called a judge. Now before Israel had kings and before they had other kinds of leaders they would be led by prophets or they would be led by great men who would be given authority of leadership and who would lead as a judge of Israel and so this fellow named Eli had both of those roles. Now Eli is going to be a guy who we might question he had the roles, but he didn't have the heart. I think he had the role of a priest, but he didn't have a heart for God. I wonder how much faith he had, or how much much in terms of a personal walk with God he had at all, because it seems like he just took his positions for granted, and he committed crimes in those positions, and he would definitely allow his sons to commit crimes, and he would let those sons do what they were going to do unchecked. Well, we come to 1 Samuel chapter 2 and in 1 Samuel chapter 2, the whole point isn't so much to highlight Eli and his sons, although it does happen. The whole point is to contrast who they are, their wickedness, their lack of faith, their lack of a walk with God. Uh, To contrast them with this young man named Samuel, who God was raising up, who would be a faithful priest, who would become a judge who would who would serve God faithfully and bring about God's will and seek God's heart and and walk with God all of his days well it, we come to the story and we see this contrast but i want to focus not so much on samuel today i want to focus on eli and his sons and let's talk about how eli was a bad dad now i'm not going to read the whole story in chapter two if you were to open up a bible or a bible app open up to first samuel chapter 2 verse 12 to 36 you could read that story and you will see What's happening there? I mean just sort of a by way of a summary, what we see is that Eli had these wicked sons. The scriptures will actually say they were wicked and they were evil and they did evil in in God's sight. And what they were doing among other things is they were stealing portions of the of the sacrifices that were meant to go to God and that were meant to go to the people. Now one thing we need to understand we often picture the sacrifices that are happening in the temple and the tabernacle of the Old Testament, and we think of them as bloody affairs, and, and we forget that a lot of times those sacrifices were to be done, and then following those sacrifices would become the context of like a, a barbecue. It would become the context of a, of a family dinner. If you or me brought sacrifices to the temple, we would bring our lamb or our sheep or our cow or our goat, whatever it is we were bringing. And and what would happen is that thing would be sacrificed. Some of the portions would be given and burned over uh, as a a thank offering or as a sin offering or whatever kind of offering it was to God. Uh, And then a portion of that would be given to the priest's to, as uh, to, to make sure they were provided for and had food because they had no other way to, to earn income they had no other way to live and so a portion of it would be given to them and then a portion would be kept by the family and then it would be either boiled or, or cooked uh, It would be cooked in some way and it would be given to the family to eat as a family dinner. Well, what was happening was uh, these people were bringing their sacrifices and and the sons were coming to the people who were bringing sacrifices and they were, they were forcing people, sometimes by force, by threat of force, to give them the portions that were supposed to be going to both God and the other families. And they were eating it. They were getting fat on it and, and even Eli was was in on it and and we see this this story that pretty much amounts to an ancient version of corruption and embezzlement. And, and and we see these guys and they're basically stealing from God. It's stealing from people. And not only that, but they were also committing all kinds of other sins. They were, they were having affairs with women who were working in the temple and, and they were sleeping around. And everybody knew about the wickedness of Eli and his sons, but people were afraid of Eli and his sons because they had power and authority and position and they were using those to to basically Blackmail people and to uh, embezzle from people, and to they, they were doing all kinds of bad things. Well, at the meantime, you had Samuel, and he's growing up winning the favor of the Lord and the favor of people. And, and he just sort of gets a quick highlight in the story as you look at this portion of it. And there's this time where a man of God he comes to Eli and he says to Eli, This is what the Lord says. Didn't I give your family a good Good position to serve me and to serve others. Didn't I save your people out of Egypt when I brought them up out of Egypt and saved them from Pharaoh? And I chose your father and your family, out of all the people in Israel, to serve me as priest. But here's what's going to happen. Because you have disregarded me, and because you have sinned against me, I am going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold your sons accountable. I'm going to hold your family accountable. And in fact, what's going to happen is I'm going to make it so that you will lose your power, position, and authority, and your whole family. Family for generations to come will lose it as well. You'll not grow old and have these positions anymore. You're going to become sort of, well you're going to become marginal when it comes to the service of God uh, and, and the service and the t- tabernacle and the temple. And you're going to become marginal and your family's going to become marginal. And just so you know that I'm going to do this, I'm going to give you a sign. And the sign is that uh, you both of your sons are going to die on the same day. And when that happens, I'm going to raise up for myself a priest who's going to be after my heart, who's going to serve me, who's going to bring about my will and establish my house and and he's going to be someone i'm going to prop up rather than you and and your family well god basically throws out everything that eli needs to hear if you follow the story later on you'll see that god brings about exactly everything that he said he would. Now one thing I left out of the story that uh, that I do want to make sure I mention is that we're told that Eli had a conversation with his sons. And and I want to warn you not to make a mistake because when Eli talks to his sons, he says, what's this I hear about you doing all these bad things? and And what's this I hear people are talking about you? And what's this I hear about how bad you are? You could make the mistake to think, that maybe Eli is is actually giving a real rebuke to his kids but Eli will leave it there and, and what it says is that his sons had no regard for what he said they did not care and that God had decided that he was going to take their lives and it was over. Well, we see Eli; he's this bad dad. And last week we did a top ten, the top ten, uh, top ten qualities of a good woman. Well, this week I want to do another top ten, and I want to do a top ten from this story, the top ten qualities of a bad dad. And so let me just start working through those top 10 that we see here in the story. The first one is this. Uh, Number one, bad dads, they focus on the wrong job first. Bad dads focus on the wrong job first. It can be easy to do as a dad to focus on the wrong job. As guys, a lot of us are really task-oriented. We're goal-oriented. We like to accomplish something and see something done. And being a dad, it sort of can become this abstract position where there's not a lot of goal-oriented things. And so it can be easy to focus on something else. It can be easy to focus on a project it could be easy to focus on a job and a career it can be easy to focus on progress uh, that we can we can see rather than being there for your kids and being a father and being a dad Uh, it can it can become this thing where we become so results oriented that we go looking for things that show results rather than focusing on the job that we have as a father Loving and showing grace as a father, we want to uh, make sure that we're showing our kids the love of the heavenly Father that He has for us. And sometimes dads will focus on the wrong things. They'll become workaholics and focus on work. They'll become focused on a hobby because you know uh, catching a fish or or getting that trophy on the wall. Those are those are measurable things and goal-oriented things and accomplishments that we can see. And it's hard to think of the idea of something that never ends as a father, uh, something that never ends. That's hard to see the goals reached. It's hard to see the tasks that, that we've accomplished, but we want to not become like Eli, who, who maybe, I, I don't know, maybe Eli was so focused on his role as a, uh, as a politician. He was so focused on his career working at the temple that he he neglected his own family and his own kids. He was focused on helping other people worship God, even though I don't think he had much of a personal uh, relationship with God, which I think is possible. It can get it can happen where even a, a pastor can become so busy doing the work of the church that he forgets to have the the relationship with God that the people of his church he's teaching them to have. That can be an easy situation. And it seems like maybe Eli had done something like that. And I can't imagine a worse thing to happen than to be a a pastor of a growing church, to be a, a leader for God of God's people, and to have your kids at the end of your life say something like, well, he was a good pastor and a lot of you people in the church were blessed by him, but we didn't know him. We didn't really have much of a dad because he gave all his time and all his effort to you. And I've heard of children of pastors saying things like that. And at the same time, I've heard children of pastors say other things like, my dad always knew to put us first. Uh, there were times where my dad made sure that he cared about us and that he was our pastor and our father too. And so we want to make sure that we put the right job first, not the wrong job first. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says this The apostle Paul will teach fathers, and he will say, Fathers, Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You know, on one side of that statement, I think it's talking about Disciplining too harshly. Uh, we can discipline too harshly or be harsh and too harsh on our kids. It can frustrate them. We can take the heart out of them. We can discourage them. Uh, we could take their will from them and we don't want to, to exasperate them. You, you know, you don't want your child to look like a dog that always has its tail tucked in whenever that child's around you. Uh, you don't want your child so terrified of you and afraid of you that uh that they they're just they're just exasperated by you uh you you don't want to take the will rate out of them like that you don't want to belittle them make fun of them create them uh for them an identity of insecurity and and you don't want to rip their hearts out so paul says fathers You have the power to do this easily. I mean, mothers do too, but fathers are in a place where he says, Don't exasperate your kids. But on the other side of exasperating them that way, there's another way to exasperate them. We could exasperate them by not being there at all. We can set them up to be exasperated by not sharing with them the truth of God, not sharing with them the importance of fearing God and knowing God. And he says, as bring them up instead in the instruction of the Lord. We want to make sure that we're putting the first job as a father to work in our life. The first job is to teach our kids to know the Lord. We're exasperating them if we're doing anything else first. And we're especially exasperating them if we're just the absent dad came across a story about one father who was always away for work. Uh, he was never home. He was never around. And even when he was around, he wasn't around. If you know what I mean, he was hiding out. And, uh, and one time while he was on the road, he called home and he talked to his daughter. And he asked his daughter, he said, hey, is your mommy home? And he heard his daughter put the phone down and yell to mom, mom, the invisible man is on the phone. Well, he he knew that this wasn't a time to laugh. This was a time to realize something needed to change. Uh, He was done being an invisible man. It was time that he turned around and became a dad. And if you're somebody that's focusing on everything else first, I want to encourage you, don't be a bad dad. Instead of being like, Eli, who was a priest first, who was a, a judge first, and who was an absent father who didn't teach his father about uh, children about the Lord, he focused on the wrong job. I want to encourage you, turn around, focus. On the right one. Number two, bad dads welcome sin in their home. Whether we're welcoming sin in our home by being passive about it or by ignoring it or whether we're simply indulging in it too, we welcome sin. When we're a bad dad, we welcome sin in our home. We let sin go unchecked. Now, Eli, he allows this sin to go on and he even engages in it himself. He is party to it. Uh, there's no no separating Eli from what his sons were doing as as the judge of Israel as the priest in the temple he was responsible the buck ends here for what his kids were doing now there's a sense and there's a time and there's a place that will come for all of us as parents where our kids are responsible for their actions in this case Eli was their political leader too Eli was the judge and jury and 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 he was the police and he was the priest and he was was the boss. I mean, I mean he was all the roles in his son's lives here where he should have could have had the authority to do something about it. They weren't they weren't young anymore, but he was still In authority over them and he does nothing and not only does he do nothing but he also makes himself complicit in what they were doing he was a willing party in at least some of what they were doing and Eli should have done something but instead of doing something about the sin in his home and in his family and in his church he just allows what's going on to continue going on he allows people to be abused he allows people to be extorted uh, he participates in the embezzlement and the stealing of the food uh, and the sacrifices that were happening. He puts up with and he allows these young men to to bring shame on the priesthood and shame on the temple with their blatant sexual sin. And uh, you want to be a bad dad, then go ahead and welcome sin in your home. And I have to be honest with you. All of our children are sinful. Your kids, my kids... They're sinful. They have a natural propensity and they have a natural bent towards sin. Maybe not all sin, but there's some sin in their life. And there's a point that comes in their life where they begin to realize the difference between right and wrong. And I think that time comes earlier than than we like to admit. And they start showing their sinfulness. They're bent towards a sinfulness. Maybe it's a bent towards lying. Maybe it's a bent towards anger anger and outbursts and 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 maybe it's a bent towards a a, a sexual sin maybe it's a bent towards something all of our children are bent towards some sort of sin and i know that's true because scripture says that all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short and if anyone says they're without sin they're a liar And, and scripture tells us that we all have this sinful nature in us that we need to go to battle with that we need to fight with and and even the best of us the apostle paul will describe how he himself had a sinful nature that he lived with and fought with and battled with and we go to war with that sinful nature rather than welcoming it and embracing it we want to live for the spirit and we want to live for God and when we come to Christ we want to learn to walk and talk and live like Jesus would have us walk and talk and live and to do that means we go to battle with our sinfulness as parents our job is to help our kids recognize sinfulness and recognize to go to battle with it and to get a jump start in life in fighting with that sinful nature. And all of us have some sort of sinful nature that we're more bent to, and your kids do too. And part of your job is to figure that out and to help them uh, help them go to battle with it and fight it and grow out of it rather than embrace it. Now, some people are more prone to pride and rebellion. Some people are more prone to self selfishness and deceit. And some people are more prone to foolishness. And some people are more prone to anger and rage and and even violence. And, and some people are more prone to laziness and slothfulness. And some people are more prone to sexual sins. And some people are very prone to addictiveness and have addictive personalities. And part of our job as Christians personally, is to do some soul searching and say, what are the things that I'm prone to? And what are the things I need Jesus to forgive me for? And and what are the things that I need to repent from, to turn away from, and to go to battle with in my own personal sinful nature? And then as fathers, we're to look at our kids and have the same conversation with God and the same conversation with ourselves and the same conversation with them. They have a sinful nature too. And as a parent, it's important that we see that sinful nature, teach them about that sinful nature, teach them they need to fight that sinful nature. And as a Christian dad, part of our responsibility is to teach our kids that fighting that sinful nature is a part of walking with the Lord. Now, our world today has taken a completely different approach to the sinful nature. In fact, it would even it would even question whether there is such a thing as a sinful nature or not. The, the world's philosophy and psychology will tell us to teach our kids to embrace their sinful nature, to accept that that's who they are, and to live in pride of their sexual uh, and sinful nature. It will teach them to live in pride of their uh, addictive nature. It will teach them to live and to embrace the the foolishness of their of their sinful nature. I mean the the world will teach a completely different perspective and they will say oh that's who you are just run with it, just be who you are. And then the world's philosophy will turn around and it will call what God calls sin immoral or unjust or wrong. It's interesting how the world is turning in to just what Jesus said it would turn into, where it would become a place where men call good evil and evil good. And we live in a world like that. And the Apostle Paul will teach us not to let sin go unchecked in our lives. He'll say, Don't let sin go unchecked in your church. Don't let sin go unchecked in your family. Don't let sin go unchecked in your life because sin will spread. And we see that happening even as we live look at our culture today we we, we see the, the the different sins that of our children just spreading we're seeing more and more violence among kids we're seeing more and more uh, sexual sins among kids we're seeing more and more uh, the, as we allow sin to just take place in our schools in our homes in our families in our communities we are seeing it spread like wildfire just like he said it would in first corinthians chapter 5 verse 6 it says says if that that sin is a lot like yeast and he says this don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough and sometimes i think dads in homes are afraid to deal with sin because they think about their own sin and well I have sin why should I why should I check my kids sin and and I can't let my failure and my sinfulness become my excuse to let sin go unchecked in my family instead I should be honest about my sin and my brokenness and I should repent of my personal sin and I should confess and I should ask for forgiveness and I should move forward and along with that I should teach my kids the same process to go through the same process. See, that's what a, a good dad does. He confronts sin in himself and in his family. Unlike Eli, who basically embraced the sin in his family. He allowed it in his country. He allowed it in his temple. He allowed it as a dad in his family. Now, it doesn't mean that we want to embarrass our kids and because of their sin in front of the whole world. It doesn't mean we want to discourage them or, ex- or, or exas- uh, 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 exasperate them. Remember, we said that uh, we don't want to be so harsh to rip the heart out of them. It doesn't mean we belittle them. It doesn't mean we bring them in front of a church and hang their dirty laundry before the whole church. It doesn't mean that we... We put them on display, and their mistakes on the on display. I remember as a as a young man in high school reading the Scarlet Letter, you know. And it doesn't mean that we put an A on their jacket so everyone sees and knows that that they're an adulteress, you know. We don't do that. Uh, what we do is we confront it in our home, and we confront it with grace, and we confront it with truth, and and we deal with the sin in our home. We don't let it go unchecked. I came across a story of an Amish dad. It kind of made me chuckle. He, he found out his sons were going to the bar and they were they were drinking alcohol against his wishes. And they were they were kind of they were kind of living it up a little bit. And so one day he went and confronted them at the bar. And he went over there and he said, "All right, boys, uh, it's time for you to come to account. And I'll tell you what, I'm gonna take the horse home, and you boys, you bring the buggy." and and, and he was confronting them. And then sometimes we have to do it a little creatively, but I want to to just encourage you, don't be like Eli. Eli could have done something, but did nothing. Now, he did talk a little bit, but he was all talk, and we'll get to that. Uh, But do something, because a good dad doesn't leave sin unchecked in his home. Number three, bad dads entertain home wreckers. Bad dads just entertain home wreckers. One of the things that we see Eli was allowing in his sons was that they were engaged in and committing adultery with and sleeping around with the women in the temple. He probably said what a lot of dads say, oh, boys will be boys, kids will be kids. Uh, and he didn't really deal with what was going on there. He didn't confront it, uh, at least not not in any way that had meaning. Uh, his sons were sleeping with the women who were serving at the tent of meaning, And at this point, they should have been fired. They should have been removed from their positions. They should have been held accountable. And, and that was just one part of what was wrong with the picture of his sons. And, and you know some dads they allow this they allow uh, pornography in their life and they allow pornography and their kids to indulge in pornography they leave that unchecked and, and some dads allow and embrace uh, affairs and allow their themselves to become to become uh, in the middle of relationships with women who aren't a part of, of their family. And some dads are engaged in it now. And God is saying to us, listen, you want to be a bad dad, go ahead and entertain home wreckers. Uh, God's going to hold accountable Eli and his sons here. And, and God warns us over and over and over again about the danger of home wreckers. If you don't believe me, just someday take some time and read Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs 7 is a story of a young man who gets sucked in by a home wrecker, a young man who, who who gets sucked into adultery and there is a clear and obvious warning in Proverbs 7, almost as if God has said I have set up so that so that some things happen and go into motion once once a, a young man uh, go, goes down this path. And some of the warnings in Proverbs 7 would be things like this. In verse 21 to 27, it describes this young man as he's being wooed by this adulteress. And it says, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose and so often when having an affair a man will say but she loves me she cares about me she has affection for me she makes me feel good and what you need to do in those moments where you're getting those feelings is rather than reciprocating feelings of love you need to realize that this woman hates you and hates your family because she is looking to destroy you this is what's going to happen like a deer stepping into a noose like an ox going to the slaughter in verse 23 it says till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting to a snare little knowing it's going to cost him his life now then my sons listen to me pay attention to what i say do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray to her paths many are the victims she has brought down her slay her her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chamber of death. You know, bad dads, bad dads welcome wreckers. Bad dads go have affairs. Bad dads invite their children to do the same. Bad dads say boys will be boys, but a good father, a good father is going to say, my sons don't go down that path. My sons, don't be taken in by the home wrecker. Now, Eli must have never had that conversation with his kids. He must have never taught them before the fact. Uh, he had a few things to say afterwards. Oh, I'm, everybody's complaining about you. Uh, but but he didn't move. He He didn't do a thing. He didn't lift a finger to try to bring about a change. But a good dad, a good dad makes effort. Number four, bad dads don't invest in spiritual leadership. They're not invested in their own spiritual life, just like Eli wasn't. And and they're not invested in the spiritual life of their kids. But Deuteronomy 6, God tells us, you be invested in your kid's life as a dad. It's not your wife's job. It's not a woman's role. It's a man's role to be invested and to make sure your kids are learning about the Lord. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 7, it says, these commands I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Make sure that you're sharing with your kids that they need to walk with the Lord and know the Lord. Eli showed his kids what it meant to be a hypocrite, to be spiritually empty while at the same time being employed as a spiritual leader. He didn't say, Follow me like I follow Jesus. He couldn't say that because he wasn't following Jesus. He simply didn't follow Jesus, and then he didn't teach his kids to do it either. Well, bad dads, they don't invest in spiritual leadership. Number five, bad dads are talkers and feelers only. And this is where I think Eli was. He might've had some, he might've had some feeling, when he talked to his boys about what they were doing uh, but and he and he did talk to them so we got to give them him a little bit of credit but I don't think we give him much. Uh, Eli uh, says to his boys, I'm going to give you a talking to. It's not good what I'm hearing about you. He says, "Why do you do such things? I hear from people about all these wicked deeds of yours. Uh, it's it's not a good report that I hear spreading among the Lord's people." But I kind of think what Eli was saying there was man uh, everybody's seeing what you're doing can't you at least do it in a way that nobody sees it Uh, the only thing that he did say that was good uh, and i almost wonder if it was accidental or god like at that moment put the right words in his mouth uh, was this if a man sins against the lord who will intercede for him that was a good part of wisdom if you sin against somebody else, God might be able to mediate for you, but uh, if you sin against God, who's going to be there for you? Now we do know that Jesus can be, but in this case, in this case he's saying basically you stand up against God, it's you and God, and you don't win. His sons, however, it said, did not listen. to to their father when he talked they were busy doing other things listening to their iPods looking at their phones and their 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 profiles on Instagram they were uh, they were they were not listening one bit and I don't think really Eli Eli cared I don't think Eli really had much behind this talking to he was given and and so he was a bad dad and bad dads they're they're talkers and feelers only it didn't follow it up with any kind of action They didn't make sure the sons listened there was no ramifications for their actions no punishment it was just bad dad mojo well a good dad he deals with things and and he does give a talking to but sometimes that talking to is followed up with with something more substantial uh, and, and I'm not talking about an empty talk with, with with empty feelings. We're talking about something that makes a difference. Well, number six, a bad dad makes excuses. You can almost hear Eli saying, well, well, I can't control what my kids do. How could I be responsible for it? And, and some parents, especially dads, rather than dealing with problems in their family, they defend them and they excuse them and they downplay them and, and they avoid acknowledging them. Or if someone actually gives a report about his son, instead he'll he'll attack the person giving the report and and rather than dealing with the sin in his children he protects them from the ramifications of their sins he he protects them from the ramifications of the mistakes and and he tries to defend them to other people who call him out and and bad dads they, they become complicit in the failure because they've been excusing the failure over and over and over again a bad dad he makes excuses but a good dad A good dad's going to confront the truth, even if he doesn't like the source of that truth. A good dad is going to be strong and yet tender at the same time, and he's not going to make excuses. Number seven, bad dads are self-indulgent. Bad dads are all about themselves. They're self-indulgent. They don't sacrifice for the love of of their wife. They don't love their wife like Jesus loved the church, which was a sacrificial kind of love. No, they love themselves. And they don't sacrifice and love with compassion and grace and forgiveness and righteousness. They just serve themselves and follow their own whims. Even though they're a part of the family, they just follow whatever they want to do. One of the reasons I think Eli made excuses uh, is back in number six is because Eli was benefiting from the sin of his sons and God is going to call him out and say you're actually taking part in what they're doing and that's one thing that is easy to overlook it's easy to miss that that these sons they were store stealing the portions of the of of the sacrifices that were supposed to go to God especially the fat portions and they were stealing the portions that were supposed to go to the people and they were stealing it and they were eating it and they were making themselves fat on it. And, and when you see the people bring these uh, the sacrifices, Eli and his sons would steal it and they would indulge in it and and they were committing embezzlement and corruption and scandal. And they were they were taking things that weren't belonging to them, making themselves wealthy and fat on them and maybe... Eli should have listened to his own rebuke of his kids. If you sin against the Lord, who will intercede? And when God sends his prophet later to talk to Eli, the prophet will say, You scorn, talking straight to Eli, you scorn my sacrifice and my offering. And he will say, You are fattening yourself on the choice parts of every offering. And later we'll see that Eli is going to be held accountable and his kids are going to be accountable. The ark is going to be uh, the, the ark is going to be stolen because of what they were doing, and Eli later will die and it will say this about his death when the messenger mentioned what happened to the ark of god which was where his sons died eli fell backward from his seat uh, besides the gate and he broke his neck and died for he was old and very overweight now, why was Eli very overweight? Uh, I don't think it was because he had a uh, he he had low testosterone or a thyroid problem. I don't think it was because he he was behind on his diet and his exercise. I don't even think he was overweight because he liked pizza and donuts. No, his eating problem wasn't so much a physical problem. It was a spiritual problem. He was incredibly overweight. He was very obese because of his embezzlement and his corruption and his pride and his self-service it was because he was always eating the fat of his son's sins that he became very fat he was self-indulgent in such a way that he was spiritually hypocritical and when he dies god is holding him accountable for being so self-indulgent a good dad Puts his wife first and puts his kids first. A good dad sacrifices and loves to show a picture of a heavenly father to his family. But bad dads, they're self-indulgent. Number eight, bad dads put their kids before God. Now, there's an order of things the Bible will teach us, a spiritual order in relationships that we have. And the Bible will teach us that our first relationship of utmost importance, the very first priority we ought to have in life, is our relationship with God. Because we take that relationship to to eternal life with us that's the most important relationship we can have and our second most important relationship is our relationship with our spouse with our wife god wants us to love our wife like christ loved the church and and that should be our second most important second most valuable relationship if there's any other relationship that's either that relationship is out of order and your spouse is before the lord or or or, or anyone else is in there between those relationships between us and god and us and our spouse then, then those relationships are in the wrong place. And then third behind it comes our relationship with our kids. God wants us to raise our kids and love our kids and show our kids the love of a heavenly father. And that's the order of relationships we ought to have. But Eli was putting his kids and his sons above His spouse and Eli was putting his kids and his sons above God. In fact, God is going to say through the man of God that comes to him in 1 Samuel 2.29, he says, why have you given your sons more honor than you give me? For you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people, Israel on one side I don't want to neglect my children and and blame it on God uh, for my relationship with God but on the other side I want my children to see me have a relationship with God and know that they come they come after my relationship with God and after my relationship with my wife and I want them to know uh, and to learn from me and my example as I love Jesus and follow Jesus and so a good dad a good dad will have the relationship relationships in the right order, but a bad dad will put the kids before God. Number nine, bad dads don't repent. Bad parents, especially bad dads, they never confess their sins. They never confess their sins to their kids, or they never tell their kids, "I was wrong. I made a mistake. I, I, I brought this on our family because I did this or that." They, they never admit their sins, and they never apologize. They don't apologize to their spouse. They never apologize to their kids. They're never honest about themselves, and they never follow it up with repentance. And they they never turn around from their brokenness and turn around from their sin. A good dad, a good dad repents. A good dad will say, we all have sinned. That's true. But I want to repent from my sin. I want to turn my life around and away from my sin. And I want to walk in a new way and and in a way that I'm growing in my walk with Jesus. I want to walk in a way that puts down past mistakes and becomes something new. A good dad repents. Well, Eli never changed, even after he was warned. He was passive about these warnings that God gave him. God warned him and he was like, oh, well, I guess uh, I'll just go to hell oh well I guess everything's just going to be bad God has judged I will just stick with that Uh, but what can a person do well a person can repent a person can repent and maybe hope God will turn around his judgment that he's already given to Eli kind of like he did with Nineveh. The story of Nineveh is the story of a very wicked city that God would send a prophet named Jonah to. There'd be this big fish story that goes with the the story. But if we jump to the very end of that story, Jonah was sent to this wicked city to announce judgment that was coming. Uh, Jonah would go around and tell the people of this wicked city that God was bringing judgment. And the king of that city, in a surprising twist, will decide not to get mad at the prophet not to get mad at the messenger but he would decide we need to repent as a people he calls all the people in the city to repent and to pray and to change their ways and he says this in Jonah 3 9-10 to who can tell perhaps God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us and when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened and and I just imagine if Eli heard the judgment and he decided to repent and change things and he decided to to take charge of his sons and put them in their place that maybe God would have relented from this judgment but he doesn't he just sort of rolls over with it and says well I guess we're just going to be a bad family I guess we're just going to take whatever comes our way I guess we're not going to repent but a good dad a good dad says, I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna change. And I'm gonna I'm gonna to turn to God. A good dad is gonna say, kids, I want you to know I made a mistake, but I also want you to know I'm gonna I'm gonna turn around and do the right thing. And number ten, bad dads will be held accountable. I think more than moms. I think there's a reason that God talks about men being the spiritual leaders in their family, partly because men and dads will be held accountable for the spiritual uh, tone of the family for the spiritual life of the family the scripture teaches that God's going to hold us accountable and one day all of us are going to stand before the Lord and give account and 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 God and Eli uh, God will hold Eli accountable and and not only for his son but for his 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 son's sins as well Uh, or sorry not only for his sin but his son's sin as well And and in Luke chapter 17, 1 to 3, there's a warning that Jesus gives. It says, one day Jesus was teaching his disciples. He says, there will be temptations. There will always be temptations to sin. Uh, But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? Sometimes dads are the ones doing it. It would be better, he says, for uh, to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. And if there's repentance, forgive. And what he's basically saying is be a dad. Be a dad who watches yourself. Be a dad through whom the temptations don't come. Be, Be a dad who sets an example And be a dad who rebukes and forgives. Be a dad who repents and encourages repentance. And so we've talked about 10 ways to be a bad dad. And the message here is this, don't be a bad dad. Yes, Jesus gives grace. And as we went through these 10, maybe there was a place where you went, man, I've been a bad dad. Well, we know that Jesus wants to forgive us and we know that uh, he wants us to repent. And maybe that's just the biggest lesson we can learn today. That maybe for all of us, there's a time where we need to come to our kids and say, I'm sorry, I was a bad dad. Uh, I was a bad dad at this point or that point, And I was a bad dad. And you know what? I'm going to repent and continue to let Jesus make me better. And I'm so grateful to know a perfect heavenly father who's a good father that we can learn from and who I have to, well, to to learn from his example. And Jesus gives us the opportunity to know a fresh start. I I want to encourage you, don't be a bad dad, but be a a good one. Eli was full of baloney, and Eli died, and so did his sons. Uh, But we want to be dads with substance, good dads, dads who show our kids and our wives what it's like to know a good father next week, we're going to talk about faithful fathers. So be sure to join us next week for part two on dads as we talk about faithful fathers together. I'd like to invite you to pray with me. Father in heaven, we're so thankful that we know you, this faithful father in our life, that we know you and your grace and your compassion and your forgiveness, along with your teaching and leadership and your call to Uh, repentance and along with your word that exposes our sin and our need for jesus and and god you are this faithful father who cares about every aspect of our lives not so that you can pick on us or discourage us but so that you can draw us to yourself and draw us to heaven with you god i pray that you will help us become faithful fathers pray that you'll teach us That we will learn from the mistakes of Eli and go a different way. And we will learn from you, this good Father in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to say thanks once again for joining us here through this online teaching time. Uh, If this online teaching time has been a blessing to you, maybe you want to give and you want to help support it. I want to say thank you to all of you who've been giving and supporting our ministry, our online ministry, our in-person ministry. I want to say thank you to you because you have been making a difference here in Vernonia Church. Uh, we've, been, we've been at work here. We've been working hard to make sure we get the message of God's word out, to make sure we get it to you, to make sure we get it to our community. And uh, man, we've been busy about the Lord's work as a church, and you've been a part of that as you've been giving. I want to say thank you to those of you who are giving. And maybe some of you, you're, uh, you'd like to join us in giving. Now, every week for the last several weeks, I've had a conversation about giving to a, in, a, in a certain ways. And uh, this week, I want to encourage you uh, and challenge you to think about two ideas. God calls us as Christians, if you're in Christ, he calls us to a couple of things. One of them is to serve him and one of them is to give to, to the work that he's doing and uh, to, to give uh, for many reasons. Some of them, one of them is it directs our hearts to worship him because what we give to, we care about. It, it kind of moves us and moves our heart. And so often I've heard people say, well, well, I don't. I don't give financially, but I, I serve, and I can substitute one for the other. But I want to, I want to uh, just dispel a, a myth that I've heard so many times, uh, and the myth is this: that we can substitute our serving with giving. Or that we can substitute our giving with serving you see god calls us to do both and when i serve in my church or when i serve at a soup kitchen in jesus name or when i go out and serve That's my ministry, and God calls me to be a minister and to do ministry. When I, as a pastor, serve at the church, uh, and, and even though it's my career, my career is serving in the church, that's my ministry, and God calls me to ministry. And none of us can substitute our ministry from our call to give. Even as a pastor, God calls me to give. And so I make sure I'm giving financially, giving faithfully, giving regularly, and giving substantially, and giving obediently. I mean, that's what I'm called to do as a Christian and as a Christian pastor. And uh, I just want to encourage you. It's... Just a, a, a mind change or a mind shift. I wanted to spell a myth that I've heard out there among God's people that, uh, that that we can't substitute one for the other because they're both an important part of our walk with Jesus. And so, to those of you who are giving and you're giving financially and you're giving faithfully, I want to say thank you for serving and for doing what God has called you to do. And I want to welcome any of you who want to join us in doing that. If you'd like to do that, you can go online at any time at www.vernonia, That's www.vernonia.church. And there's a Give tab at our website. You can set up giving in any way, shape, or form on there. And uh, you could give just a dollar, a dollar a week, or you could give more substantially. You could set up tithing where you're doing 10%. Uh, you can set up more than tithing. You could do whatever you want to do in terms of giving to Vernonia Church. And I just want to say thank you in advance for those of you that are doing that. Well, one more time, I want to pray before we close up this teaching time. And what I want to pray about is the ministry of Vernonia Church. I want to pray that these messages will continue to go out and to bless people. And especially a message like this that will help that will help us recognize the bad dad in ourselves and maybe make a change. Uh, and, and let's just pray for the work that we're doing as a church to get God's word out there. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I just want to pray for Vernonia Church. I want to pray, God, that you will help us as a church to continue to serve you faithfully, to preach your word faithfully, to teach and learn from the scriptures faithfully, and to repent faithfully. God, I pray that you will help us as a church to minister faithfully, to serve faithfully, and to give faithfully. I want to pray, God, that you will help the ministry that we're doing to reach more and more people with the message of the gospel. We pray that people will come to know Christ because of what we're doing. We pray that that fathers will become better fathers because of what we're doing and, and that, that that we will become good fathers rather than bad dads. That we will become faithful fathers rather than bad dads. I, I pray that you will help us as we teach and preach to to reach new people for Christ who will come to know you as their heavenly father for eternity through their faith in Jesus Christ. God, I just pray that you'll be at work in this ministry. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, I'd like to uh, encourage you to join me. We'll finish up today by declaring it's been a great day. On the count of three, one, two, three. It's been a great day. And I hope you have a great day. And I hope you have a great week as you try to be a good dad. And I'll see you next week where we're going to talk about faithful fathers. Have a great day.